Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it is you're listening to this. Welcome back to Nerdlog. This is episode two, and you should be getting this on July 17th, 2023. Today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. It's not going to be as long as an episode because originally I had a topic planned, which was going to be the console wars. But I decided to postpone that topic simply because I think it would be better if I involved one of the co-hosts I had talked about earlier as a guest host, and we can go back and forth about our experiences with consoles in our lives and then talk about our personal encounters with the console wars and that whole culture. So we will be revisiting that topic or going to that topic later on, so I'm not ignoring it. But because of that, I will not be recording a topic today. So we're going to jump right into the nerd log itself. Again, I'm going to say what the nerd log is just for anybody jumping in today. The nerd log is what I call my backlog of all different types of media. Specifically for today is books and video games. I have decided that because of the length of last week, um, I'm going to take the amount of each down to one apiece. So one book review and one video game review off of my backlog. So jumping, just jumping headfirst in. We're going to look at books, and the first book, I mean, well, not the first book, the only book of today is The Color of Magic by Terry Pratchett. It is the first Discworld book ever written. If you didn't know, Discworld is a book written about a Discworld. It's literally a flat world on the back of four elephants, which stand on the back of a turtle. It is very funny and has a lot of satire and parody very has a lot of british wit dry humor all sorts of humor is involved in Discworld, and their total i believe there's 41 novels that's including the young adult novels he wrote sadly sir terry pratchett passed away some years ago but he has left behind a legacy of great books i have currently not read all the books I have read probably close to 20 of them. I have not found a bad one yet. I do have my favorites. Uh, The Color of Magic actually is one of my favorites, and I believe it's a great place to start with the Discworld books. When it comes to Discworld, I know I said there's 41 books, but it's not like one huge continuous story. I believe that there's only one, one actual sequel. There's some loose connection between some of the other ones, but not enough to call them sequels. The Color of Magic being the first book, the second book released, The Light Fantastic, is a direct continuation of The Color of Magic. After that, the books are pretty self-contained, except for they are split into sub-series. Basically, what that means is that they focus on a general cast of characters each sub-series does. But even within those subseries, the books really aren't that much related other than having to do with the same characters. So the subseries are the Rincewind books or the Wizard books, you could call them, because some of them 
feature a whole cast of wizards instead of just Rincewind. Um, then you have the Witches series, which features Granny Weatherwax and a couple of her friends in a coven. Then you have the Death series, which involves one of my favorite characters, which is Death. And when you think of Death, you know, from any sort of media, tall, grim reaper with a scythe. This is a uh, this is him, but it's him shown in a different light. He is definitely very, we'll say, human in this book. You'll you'll see. I'm not in this book, but in this series, he's a great character. I'll review more Discworld down the line, so don't worry about that. So death will definitely come up, and he also is the only character to show up, I believe, in every single Discworld book there is, if only for a quick cameo. But in the Death series, he is one of the main characters, of course. And then after the Death series, you have The Watch, which is about the Night Watch of the main city of the Discworld. And then you have the Industrial Revolution series, which is loosely connected books about different parts of the Industrial Revolution. You have like the steam engine, the print and press. I believe war is covered, money, like making currency, that is covered. And then finally, you have the Young Adult series, which covers mostly a one girl as she goes through as a witch. It's not part of the Witches series, but it's sort of adjacent to it. So anyway, that's the Discworld. If you wanted to start at a certain place, I was just starting with one of uh, those sub-series, just the first book in it, whichever one sounds the most interesting. If it was me, I like to start exactly from where the beginning is, which is this, The Color of Magic. It's where his writing is the most raw. It's also where it's the most amateurish, so... It only gets better from here, but since I was introduced to it here, this is where I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the character Rincewin and Two Flower. I actually read it, I believe, when I was 15, which was, what, 18 years ago, I believe. My brother was in college at the time, and he had a science fiction fantasy literature class, and this was on their reading list. And he read it, thought it was hilarious. So I picked it up after he had finished, and I loved it. Uh, that actually is a common occurrence with some of my favorite books. I ended up reading after he read them, and I still love them. And that's really what got me into sci-fi and fantasy, was that kind of stuff. And Lord of the Rings, obviously. I'd already read that pretty early on, that in the Narnia series. But anyway, The Color Magic, Discworld Book 1. This is also book club number one. That means that me and my sister started a book club. Let's see. The, this is the third month. So we started it back in May. So this was our May book, was The Color Magic. I'd read it. She had. And I enjoyed reading it. Again, simply because I was older this time from reading it, even though I've read it probably four or five times, I still laugh out loud every single time. So let's get into the review. I have a good many pros and uh, just a couple of cons. But anyway, as I already mentioned, first pro is 
hilarious prose. <laughs> and I don't mean prose as in pros and cons. I mean prose as in the writing style. It just the writing and the descriptions, uh, they have a very sharp wit to them. They're very, sometimes the humor is very dry and like British sort of humor, but also sometimes it's up in your face. The dialogue that the characters say is very, also very well written and very funny. The plot, I think, is a pretty good plot, but it also does serve to further the humor and further the characters, which brings me to an easily likable protagonist in Rince Wynn. We can all relate to Rince Wynn's uh, not wanting to be involved in a big drama. He sort of just wants to lay low and doesn't want to be involved in anything, sort of stay under the radar sort of character. But because of that, he always ends up getting involved in things he doesn't want to. This book, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the major setup is that this deals with the Discworld's first tourist, which is the second main character, Two Flower. He is coming from a country far away, and he is coming to tour the most famous city of Discworld, which is Ankh-Morpork. And there has never been a tourist before. And so Rincewind is given the task by the patrician of the city to guide Two Flower and give him the best time. So when he goes back, he can give a good report of Ankh-Morpork to his country. And so, of course, none of this goes as planned. There's hijinks. There's all sorts of adventures and misadventures. It's hilarious. Uh, so Rincewind is... You know, always trying to get away from things, get away from responsibility. But it seems that the more he tries to get away, the further he gets uh, dragged in. And it's hilarious. And then Two Flower is also a good character. He's not as funny as Rincewind, but he sort of plays the, the straight guy compared to Rincewind, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not as uh, funny, but he sort of sets up the jokes. But you will learn to appreciate and have affection for Two Flower. And probably the best character is Two Flower's luggage, which again is a walking suitcase, pretty much, that can eat people. And even though it can't talk, it is definitely a character of its own, has its own personality. And as silly as it sounds, uh, it, it works for this setup. Uh, it's, a very, it's a great introduction to the world of Discworld, like I said. It does have a couple of uh, contradictions to further books, just because he was sort of, you know, making the world as he went in this one. But it does introduce you to a lot of things that are featured in most of the books, such as the city of Ankh-Morpork, the patrician, the uh, four elephants, the turtle, uh, the guilds in the city, like the Assassin's Guild, the Merchant's Guild, the Thieves Guild, the different parts of the city. There's like the richer side of the city, and then there's the Shades. Um, there, The Watch is mentioned in this book. So a lot of concepts that are in further Discworld books are started here in this book. So it's a great introduction to the world. Uh, the side characters for the book, they are just as well written as Rince, Wind, and Two Flower. Each, the book is sort of split up, I would say, into four short novellas that sort of connect to each other. 
Terry Pratchett does not really write chapters in his books, especially well, in his Discworld books at least. But in this one he does, but it's just four chapters for the whole book. And each chapter is sort of its own story, or own novella. And in each novella there's side characters, usually one or two major ones. And they are well developed even with if it's only a 50 page chapter and they're only in it for that side chapter. They're well developed, you will care for them, they'll make you laugh, they'll make you hate them if they're the villain. Great characters all throughout the book and then uh, just a small little pro in there just personally i'm a big fan of hp lovecraft i love his creations i love his horror i really loved cthulhu and everything around that mythos or mythos whichever way you want to pronounce that and there is a brief homage to lovecraft in this book i won't ruin it but you'll definitely see it if you know Lovecraft, you'll definitely see it. Again, I will go ahead and say I do know Lovecraft. The man was not a very good person. He was a person of his time, but that's no excuse for the kind of things he said. He was very xenophobic and racist, and I definitely do not agree with any of that, but I do believe in separating the art from the artist as much as we can. So... That's, my, that's what I have to say about Lovecraft. But anyway, there is a slight nod to him in this book, and I rather enjoyed that. So then we come to the cons of this book. Um, because it feels like four short stories, the book is sort of somewhat all over the place, just because it's basically four different novellas. So thus each one sort of has their own central plot. They all are carried forward with Rince, Wind, and Two Flower, but they are all involved in very different plots, each one of them. So it's basically like four separate little short stories about Rince, Wind, and Two Flower and their misadventures. So that can feel a little jolting instead of just one long narrative throughout the book. That can be a pro or that can be a con, depending on how you look at it. It doesn't really bother me. Um, it do that is the only Discworld book that really does that. So sort of unique. I don't mind it. You may. So I just want to throw that in there. The writing and pacing is not as tight as the other Discworld novels. Again, that may be because there's four separate plots. But the pacing of the book uh, can be a little jumpy at points it can slow down and along with the pacing the writing style isn't as sharp and witty as his future writing but just like any author their earlier stuff is usually a little rougher than their newer stuff which and when they sort of hit their stride and everything is sort of where it should be and they they just hit that perfect medium of where their writing needs to be this is a little rough compared to some of his others, but again, I really like it. And then my final problem or con with it is there's no real outstanding villains. There's sort of, I guess you could say, a villain in each one of the little novellas or chapters, but none of them are major. Uh, some of them are funny, and some of them are interesting, but there's no overall villain. There's no overall really anything to do is an antagonist wise 
So the ones that are there are enjoyable, but there's there's definitely not much focus on them. So you could say that's a con, uh, but that's just not really what this book is about. It's not fo- it's focusing on Rincewind and Two Flower, and the character development of them. There is definitely some character development for both of them. Uh, so that's another pro, I guess I should have mentioned. But anyway, to the review score of The Color of Magic by Terry Pratchett, I give a 7.5, which to me is a very good rating, and that means I would definitely recommend reading this book. That has the Nerdlog stamp of approval, we'll say. For books, I am still currently reading Holy Sister by Mark Lawrence, the third book in the Book of the Ancestor trilogy, which I reviewed the first two books last week. I am 70%, 65% done with that book, so I'll probably be reviewing it next week. And then I'm still reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, which is July's book club book. So... By the way, if you're listening to this, feel free to join our book club, and at the end of the month, which is, or the beginning, it'll probably be the beginning of August, I'll review July's book, and then beginning of September, I'll review August's book, and just go ahead and give y'all a heads up, next month's book, August's book club, book will be Artemis Fowl which is by the Irish author Ian. It's E-O-I-N. So I'm thinking Ian or Ian. Ian. There's no telling, but we're going with Ian Colfer. So that will be our August book. If you want to join in on that, we'll be starting that in August. So moving on to video games. The video game I knocked off of the nerd list is Stray. I played it on the PS5. A little introduction to the game. This is the game everybody remembers by saying, oh, that's that cat game, isn't it? It had one of those releases where you got like a view of it, you got a trailer, and then we didn't really hear much about it for a while. I believe it was shown in either the first or second showcase of the PS5 before the launch, and then I believe it came out either late last year or very early this year. I think it was late, mid to late last year. It dropped, and if you were a Xbox, P- I mean not Xbox, PlayStation, PS Plus, Extra, whatever the, the top tier is, you got to play it for free. But then I saw that it was leaving uh, July 18th, so tomorrow it is leaving free catalog. So... I jumped ahead of the order of things that I knew I wanted to play in the next few months. I went ahead and just threw it up to the top of the list so I could play it free before it left. And I'm very glad I did because it was a uh, it was a great game. So let's get into the uh, the pros and cons. Believe it or not, a game about a cat had a great cast of characters, especially the relationship between the cat and his robot companion, B-12. Not going to go in, like I would say all the time, not going to go into spoilers past like the first hour. But the cat is with uh, like a pack of cats, or maybe his family, it's not really said. But then he falls down into this city of robots, 
where he meets this robot companion, like a little drone that is named B-12, and that is how he interacts with the world. B-12 translates everything that the robots you meet are saying, and the robots are just so human, just so, I don't know, there's this essence about them that just make them great characters, and they really bring out emotions in you. There's some very, very emotional high points in this game, I'll say. Like, humor, it's hilarious. There's points where you just feel that, you know, that cute feeling you feel when you see, like, a funny cat video or a cat or a puppy or kitten doing something just cute. You get that fuzzy feeling. There's a lot of that in this game. And there's also some sad times. Like, I didn't expect that from the cat game. But there were some times where I almost cried, and I very rarely cry at any sort of media. I don't know why. There's only been a few media things that I've cried at. Surprisingly, things I've cried at was A, The Passion of the Christ. When I watched it, I cried at some of the brutal beating scenes of Jesus. And then B, I cried at... Sword Art Online, the second part of season two, with the girl in the coma. If you know, you know, I cried during that, or at least I teared up, and maybe I had like that single teardrop fall. <laughs> but anyway, those are the two things I cried at. This was almost the third. Highly recommend this, especially if you love those emotional roller coaster type stories. I didn't expect this game to have one of those sort of stories. I expected it to sort of just be a platformer, uh, sort of one of those games you just turn your brain off, but it actually surprised me in that regard. So that moves on to the gameplay. The gameplay, everything was uh, more than serviceable. It did a amazing job of making you feel like a cat. If you've ever owned a cat or you've watched enough cat videos or you grew up with cats, you will know their mannerisms, how they're sort of unpredictable. They love to get into things. They love to scratch things. They love to knock stuff off. All that is present in this game. All of it serves a purpose, too. Like, there's times you have to knock stuff over. Like, you know, the cats will sit there on the counter and, like, just push it with a paw, like, a little bit. And then they'll look at it some more and then push it a little bit more. And then push it off. Like, all that stuff is captured. But I swear they capture it perfectly a funny story i have to throw in here me and my wife have a cat named abby and she never really cares when i'm playing a video game in the living room i have a 65 inch tv with my ps5 hooked up to it and i was playing stray and i was about three or four hours in but at one point she went up to the entertainment center and sat down and just looked up and she saw this cat moving and I was just walking. It wasn't a cutscene or anything. I was just walking as the cat. And my cat in the real world, Abby, went ballistic. We could not get her away from that screen. She jumped up on top of the entertainment center and started meowing and batting at the TV. And we would, usually when she jumps up there or something or does something she's not supposed to, we have a little squirt bottle and we'll squirt with water and she'll jump down. She was just sitting there tanking the water. Like You could just hit her with water and water and water, and she would not move. So we got up, and we put her down, and she got back up there and got back up there. Um, this, like, 
I bet she got up there 30 to 40 times in like 10 minutes. So I ended up having to cut the game off. <laughs> I was not able to play it when she was looking. So the only time I like finished the game was when she was she went and catnapped somewhere. I had planned on platinum, platinuming the game because it had a fairly easy platinum list. But because of how she would go ballistic every time she looked up and saw that cat because I tried it a couple more times the next day and she did the same thing I just went ahead and beat it while she was asleep and then just moved on but it, that was the funniest reaction I did not expect from her and for about five or six days after that that's where she slept was right in front of the entertainment center which she's never done before like she was just waiting for that cat to show back up so it was cute. It was hilarious. I couldn't be mad at her because, you know, she really thought there was a cat up there. So anyway, little side story. Uh, the graphics nailed the look and movement of the cat perfectly, which, again, goes back to uh, the way Abby acted. I believe that if the cat itself did not act like a cat or like it was janky or the movements weren't smooth or it just it didn't do a good job interpreting the movements of a cat i don't think our cat would have went crazy because she doesn't go crazy in any other things funnily enough even for watching real cat videos on youtube or something she doesn't care so that's a uh, that to me is a Big compliment to Annapurna Studios for the way they made this game. Uh, that they even fooled a real cat into believing their cat was real. Those are all the pros I have for the game. A couple of cons. I wish that you could jump more freely than having to wait for a button prompt. Like there's only certain times you can jump. You can, I mean, you can jump a lot of different places, but the only surfaces you can jump to have to. They're numbered is in I can't just press X and jump like Mario would jump if I'm standing in place I can't just hit X and have the cat jump the cat has to have a specific point it's aiming towards and then a little X icon will appear and you press X and the cat will jump on it so you're not really controlling the jumps there's no chance of missing the jump as long as you have that X prompt there and you hit X you're gonna jump on it I thought that was a little, you know, taken away a little bit from the platforming challenges because you always were going to make the jump. It really didn't bother me that much, but I will throw that out there. Also, it was a little, fin it was a little finicky at times, especially some of the chase scenes where you had to run and jump quickly. There were some times where I knew where it wanted me to jump to, but I couldn't get it. You had to aim the camera just at the right angle for the X prompt to hit the spot. And I just could not get it to that spot or exactly where it wanted to. So that ended with some cheap deaths. That was a, a little qualm I had with the controls. The stealth sections, like in a lot of games, was a little annoying. So were the chase sections. I, f I feel like the hit detection on the chase systems were a little off. There were sometimes I think I clearly dodged the things jumping at me and they still hit me. So I will say I think the hit detection may be a little wonky and then the, like, the stealth section felt a little forced. But that seems to be the thing in games is they'll just have a random stealth section. I think of like the Mary Jane and Miles Morales scenes from the, the Spider-Man PS4. 
just know there is they don't last long. They can be a little annoying because they're not auto fails, but they they have a good tendency to be an auto fail just because when you get spotted, if you get hit by what happens, what when you get shot, if the thing spots you, it's instant game over. And then I will say the game length was a little on the short side. I think it could have went on maybe for another hour or two, but not by much. Um, it was right there in the, the happy median. I would have liked it, like I said, to have been a little longer just because of how much enjoyment I was getting out of it. But it didn't overstay its welcome. It told its story. It made its points, and you had your fun. So I'm not really taking off that many points for that. So, for Stray, for the PS5, I am giving the review score of a 7.5. And that is, again, a <laughs> Nerdlog stamp of approval. Go and play this game. If you hear me today, you still got a day to play it. If you're listening to this after the 18th of July, 2023... I believe you can you can still download it. Of course, you have to pay for it now. There's a physical there's physical copies to buy. I would recommend the game, uh, especially if you love cats, if you like platformers, and you like emotional stories. If you like any of those, I would highly recommend buying the game. It's not a full price game. I want to say I saw it for twenty nine ninety nine somewhere. So I would recommend this game games I'm currently playing. I'm still playing Final Fantasy 16. I expect to be playing that game for a while. So far, so good. I'm really liking it. And I am playing through the original Mega Man, Mega Man games. So my review for Mega Man, the very first original one. I will have that up next week. So if you're a fan of Mega Man, Please come back next week and listen to that. So other than that, in closing, please follow my podcast on Spotify. That's where it's currently located. I do plan on reaching out to other podcasting services, such as the Apple service, Amazon, Audible. I guess that is Amazon as well. I want to get it to where all podcast services, where most people get their podcast from. I would like to get NerdLog available on there for you so you don't have to go to Spotify to find me. Hit me up on Twitter at NerdLogMedia. I usually post on there three or four times a week with new content. I will drop the new content, post on there, and then throughout the week I'll post again just reminding people. And then I'm still slowly but surely building up to getting a YouTube channel started. I already have it built, as in I have the logo and I have the channel name and all that. I do plan on making videos. Right now I am learning how to make video content and how to edit videos. I want, The videos will definitely be much shorter, condensed versions, like it won't be the topic and a game review in the same video. The topic may be a video itself and the review may be a video itself. I think that those shorter block videos sort of work better when it comes to viewing on YouTube compared to podcasting where the normal 
length, I believe I read the average was between 30 and 50 minutes for a podcast. So that's where I'm trying to hit for the podcast. But for the videos, I'd like to keep them under 20 minutes. So that is my plan. You can also reach out to me at nerdlogmedia at gmail.com. Please email me with any questions, concerns, complaints, compliments, something you'd like to hear me discuss, any suggestions you have for the show, anything at all. Like I said, hit me up at Twitter, send me an email, follow me, uh, look forward to following me on YouTube. As always, thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of the ones around you. Have an amazing day, and until next time, stay nerdy.